Welcome to the Not All Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and this is episode number 492. As part of our Art of Living series, today's guest is someone you are just going to relate to, trust, and find helpful just as I do. I have found Susan Desenze to be an amazing person. Our guest today is Susan Desenze. She is a licensed psychotherapist, MSW, is an author, speaker, entrepreneur, and so much more. Susan Desenze practices in psychotherapy and coaching, helping others to help change their lives. Susan Desenze has been on the show before, and I've gotten to know Susan Desenze as you will today. And you'll see what I mean about changing lives with today's important topic about suicide. We'll be talking to Susan Desenze and others about suicide coming up. Certainly, it's an epidemic. We are facing an epidemic elsewhere. We're also coming up to a season where suicide becomes even more prevalent. Susan Desenze has a master's in social work. She's a licensed clinical social worker and is familiar with the issues surrounding suicide, treatment, care, and will offer resources for those thinking of harming themselves or friends or family members who have been exhibiting suicidal tendencies, all of which we will be discussing today. Susan Desenze is the host of the newly created podcast, Spiritually Expressed Human, Navigating the Human Experience. Check out our interview with this no-excuses approach that's been born out of Susan Desenze's own recovery. Susan Desenze will give a great deal in our time together, including some practical skills and tools and resources to help you identify those tendencies in others, as well as a path to gain some hope in your own life. Join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Susan Desenze, MSW. Susan Desenze, welcome back to the program. Oh, thank you so much, Paul, for having me. I'm so honored to be here. It's such an important topic. The topic's important. It, it's also important to touch base with you regularly. You and I have just gotten to know one another, and, and I enjoy our conversations. I want to make sure that you and your family are well. How's everybody there at your home and, and you, in your business? Everybody doing well? Everybody's doing well. You know, it's it's a changing time for me here in the Chicagoland area. It actually snowed for the first time today, and oh, wow. my husband was <laughs> bouncing around the house in joy, and I was bouncing around the house in, oh, I don't like the cold or the snow. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's getting cold here, too. Absolutely. The winter months are, uh, you know, bearing down on us. Fall is uh, in full bloom, I guess is the way to put it, but... but um, yeah. Certainly, winter is coming. Well, we're going to talk about a topic that you you mentioned right at the outset is an important one and um, is one that's relevant to weather, and we'll get into some of that stuff. We're going to talk about suicide today with you, and and you you have such a, a commitment to this subject, as well as just a vast expertise, of course, because of your practice and, and all that you do. So let's just jump right into this. Uh, I don't want to sweep anything under the rug. I want to be, you know, have a very candid conversation between the two of us. And so let's let's just let's just talk about those of us, particularly me, my age group, those of us who are over age sixty, and um, and we know that this is a uh, uh, suicide now is a um, a topic for many as a result of age. Some of it has to do with age, but some of it has to do with this huge issue of isolation. And so I wanted to ask you right up front, tell us some of the warning signs of this, of this contributor to, to suicide, that being isolation. What do we look for as family members? What do we, 
Uh, what are we apt to see and, and, uh, and what are some of the warning signs? Great question. And it's especially difficult right now because of the pandemic. And so there is a lot a, of kind of forced isolation that's happening because of the pandemic. And so it can be very difficult to really look at the potential warning signs that we're seeing in people, especially people over 60, um, with being isolated because we're all being forced essentially to be isolated right now. But one of the big things I think that is a is a warning sign is let's say you have a family member or a friend or a neighbor who has typically usually been willing to go to events. And and now in the case of the pandemic where we can kind of have events, but we have to socially distance and wear our masks. And now all of a sudden they're backing out frequently. Right. They just they never want to go to anything, even if they they trust the potential that it's safe and it's only a few people and it's very socially distanced. That's a warning sign. See, the warning signs are really about what is the differences in their behavior? What are the differences in the things they're saying and doing that can all of a sudden be a little bit of a red flag? So if you have somebody who was frequently talking with you on the phone and they they were relatively upbeat and now you notice that they seem relatively down in in what they're talking about or even in the language that they use that's a potential warning sign not necessarily quite yet that they may be feeling you know like in a place where they're considering suicide but where they're isolating right Maybe they're not taking your calls. Maybe they're not texting you back. Maybe they are, again, it's a little difficult because you can't really say, oh, hey, that person always went to events and now they're never coming to events just because of the pandemic situation. But if the behavior, even since COVID started, is different, that's a potential warning sign that they're isolating. If they used to share a lot of things with you and they're not sharing anymore, if someone else says to you, hey, I've noticed that so-and-so seems like, you know, they just never want to interact anymore, take that as a serious indicator that they are potentially isolating. One of the things I'd love to offer up, not just as a warning sign, but then as kind of a, a way to combat that is check on them. Periodically call, text, email. Because we can't meet so much in person right now, it would be wonderful to say, go knock on your neighbor's door. Mm -hmm. Huh, I haven't seen them out in the backyard for quite a while. Go knock on the door and check on them. And you potentially still could if you felt safe enough to do that, even just talking to them through the doorway, let's say. But it's about checking on the people that are in your life who are behaving, speaking, or acting in a different manner that lets you know there is this potential that they're isolating themselves purposely and not just due to the pandemic. Does that make sense, Paul? It does. It, it very much does. And I, and I appreciate that. I, I knew isolation was a big issue. And I think it's important that we just pay a little attention to those around us, especially those that are 
special to us, whether they be neighbors in our in our direct vicinity and, and neighborhoods, but also to to those of us who are uh, kind of in this, particularly in this age group. And the the CDC mm-hmm. says, and I, and I want to talk to you specifically about about men now, because the CDC says that men uh, over the age of sixty uh, have uh, they, they experience the highest rates of suicide. So. What, what's happening here among men that's contributing to the crisis and why are we at risk so much? Well, the interesting thing is men overall, this is a very scary statistic, men overall are three and a half times more likely to attempt or do what we call a complete a suicide than women. And that there are Roughly around, based on last year's statistics, there's roughly around 123 completed suicides per day, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. roughly 10 to 11 minutes. In the time we're talking, several people will have completed a suicide and ended their life. And it's incredibly scary to think that 14% of the people out there overall, not just men, per 100,000 people, and their life. And 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 I I didn't really get into some of the specific warning signs for suicide specifically, but let's kind of look at men first. I think that the reason why men are at such a high risk and and even men among over 60, right? Is because that generation of men was specifically kind of taught to not be quote-unquote weak. And what I mean by that was they were taught that weakness showed up by if you showed your emotions and you talked about them. If you didn't appear strong, if you didn't appear as though you could fix everything and you had it all together. And I think that as time has gone on, and even though generations have shifted in their consciousness and in their ability to you know, be more willing to speak about their emotions and talk about what hurts them and what they're thinking, men that are over 50 and 60 are still kind of from that mindset that says, that's not really okay. And and to be honest, there is a stigma if, to this day, men or women, there is a stigma if you have any kind of a mental health issue where it may require you to go seek out the assistance of, say, a a therapist or even a medical doctor who can prescribe something for you if, if medication is the needed route. And I think that men over 60 may be looking at, you know, maybe they're retired already, maybe they're not, or they're looking at it soon, and they're really starting to think overall about what has my life been all about? What has it meant? What have I done in my life? And what do I have to look forward to in the next, who knows, potentially 5, 10, 20, maybe 30 years if I'm lucky enough? And sometimes that also means that a man over 60 may be alone now, Mm -hmm. whether it be by divorce or or the death of a partner, and they're feeling even more isolated more alone potentially, maybe some of their friends have moved away or passed away. And they're just, I think they're at just such a higher risk because of all of these things combined. 
and the inability to feel like it's okay to one, feel what you feel and talk about it. And it's okay to reach out to someone that you trust and care about, whether it is a friend or a family member, a neighbor or a therapist, and ask for help. We are with Susan Desenzi. Susan Desenzi is a licensed psychotherapist, also a coach, but has an MSW master's in social work and is a licensed clinical social worker. Also host of a podcast, a new podcast titled The Spiritually Expressed Human. Susan Desenzi is an author, an expert on this subject of suicide. We're talking today about that. It's kind of getting to be that season. The weather is turning. We we talked a little bit about that as we're as we're gathering, perhaps uh, via social distance and Zoom and Skype, just as you and I are talking today. It makes it a little bit almost stilted, you know, to bring up some of these subjects uh, among family. Mm-hmm. But but we really we 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 should when we see these signs, and and we now are familiar with the risks. Uh, how do we bring this up? How do we kind of start that conversation and not just sweep this important topic under the rug? Well, I, and I think it's important to, you know, look more closely at some of the warning signs of suicide itself and not just the isolation piece that we mm-hmm. talked about a little mm-hmm. bit ago mm-hmm. so that we can, one, familiarize ourselves with that and then also understand how to bring up that subject with, you know, family and with people that we love and care about where we're seeing some of these signs. So some of the things to look for, like the isolation previously that we talked about, now it goes a little bit deeper and it's a little bit more intense. And so if you saw things like extreme mood swings in in someone, if you saw them, of course, specifically talking about wanting to end their life, or you notice that they're asking questions about, or even making comments like, would you miss me if I was gone? Mm. What would it be like if I wasn't even here? Would it even matter? Does it even bother you that we haven't, I don't know, communicated or shared blah, you know, X, Y, Z for a long time? Mm-hmm. Do I even matter to you anymore? If you saw things like them starting to give away their possessions, you know, I have so many things. I don't need this anymore. Now, there's a difference between like clearing out clutter, let's say. And the possessions or the things that you know are sacred or important to them, and all of a sudden they're starting to give those away to people. If they talk about being a burden to others, if they are increasing, let's say, drug or alcohol use, or the behaviors are shifting so dramatically that it causes you to notice that there is something really different about the way this person is behaving um, let's say for those who are a bit older, 50, 60 plus, who are dealing with potential medical issues or chronic pain issues, if they start talking about being in, you know, absolute unbearable pain, using words like that, like I'm trapped, it's unbearable, I can't stand this anymore, that doesn't necessarily mean they're considering suicide, but it is a warning signal especially if they haven't talked like that before. A couple other quick things, like if they're super anxious and agitated, if they're super like restless and they are acting in a very reckless kind of manner, those are also 
important warning signals too. And one of the big ones, obviously, is if they are sleeping a lot, Mm. right? If you notice that this person was always up by 5, 6 a.m., and they were always pretty active. And again, the pandemic has kind of put a kink in being able to really see some of this sometimes. But if you know that this person now is like getting up at 10, 11, 12 o'clock, and they're still going to bed at the same time each night or even earlier, or they're taking frequent naps throughout the day, and they always talk about how tired they am, Mm. that could be a huge indicator of some deeper depression that can give rise to suicidal thoughts. And so then how do we bring this up Mm -hmm. is in a quiet moment when you're with this person that you care about, where you're noticing some of these signs and you're concerned, the most important thing is to hold a space of non-judgment, meaning work to use eye language like, you know, I've noticed, I'll use you, Paul, if that's okay as an example. Mm -hmm. I've noticed, Paul, that the last few times we've spoken, I've heard, you know, a lot about how you're feeling like you're a burden. And I really am concerned. Are you okay? As simple as that. It's not, are you considering suicide? Are you feeling, you know, so depressed that you want to end your life? Unless you're seeing the language that's very specific, like someone says, I want to die. I don't even want to be here anymore. I just want to die. Or I wish I could die already. That's a little bit more concerning and a little bit more of the language whereby someone that loves you can say, wow, that really scared me when you said that. And I really need to check in with you and see, are you, are you considering hurting yourself and harming yourself? Do you really want to die? Mm-hmm. And what you might find is that people really just want to talk about all of the stuff that they're feeling, right? I had always encouraged my clients to share their suicidal thoughts and feelings with me without the threat of being hospitalized. And the reason I did that was because they needed to have a safe place to share all of the intensity of all of their emotions, all of their thoughts and feelings in a safe way that didn't say, I'm going to get in trouble and have a consequence by being put in the hospital just because I have this thought or feeling. Now, how we're trained to determine if that is at a higher serious level is we look to see if they actually have thought about a plan, like how would you harm yourself? If if you were serious about that, how would you do it? And then if they give you a plan, now this is another level of red flag. First, they've talked about it. Now they've given you the actual plan, which means they've actually thought about it and they've really thought it through because they're giving you a plan. And then you assess, do you have access to the means they talk about in the plan? So if you're a gun owner and you have told me that you want to end your life and I ask you how you would do it and you say I would shoot myself and I know you have a gun, you have just checked off all three warning signs Mm -hmm. that tell me I cannot determine if you are actually going to take action or not and I need to step in 
and intervene. And now I'm sharing this because it doesn't mean just someone like me who's a licensed therapist can intervene. You as a family or a friend can also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's help out there. Certainly a mental health therapist can help and and there are community ag- uh, you know, agencies that are, that are available. So give us maybe a couple of tips about how we might deal with this subject and make sure to suss out perhaps some of the strategies that someone might be developing, kind of take an assessment about whether or not they've got access to firearms, if they're inappropriately using you know, sleep or other medications, then what do we do? The biggest and most important thing is to listen, is to inquire first out of love and say, I've noticed that you're not acting like yourself or I've noticed that, you know, you seem to be talking often about, you know, your frustrations with still being alive or that you're a burden. And I love you so much. And I want to be there the best way I know how to help you. And there are all kinds of resources. So if you want to just talk with me, meaning me as a family member, right? Like you or I, mm-hmm. if you want to just talk with me, I will be here to listen however you need me to be because I love you and I, I don't want to see you feeling this way. It hurts my heart. Uh, there is the uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline that is a 24-hour, 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week manned crisis line with trained counselors. It's completely anonymous. And if you're okay with it, I'd love to give the number right now. Please, please. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's 1-800-273-8255. And I'm sure, Paul, you'll put that in the show notes, I hope. I'm going to put that into the show notes. I'm going to put um, a direct connection to you also, Susan, in the show notes, because I know you you have a, a chat function on your on your site that you're you're available to help and aid and guide a bit, even from afar. Even from afar and mm-hmm. not not on the site like the uh, Suicide Prevention Lifeline is mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. someone's manning that 24-7. Yes, right. but Good I would I would love to be able to, you know, I, I would love to offer all the listeners, if you are struggling with depressive thoughts, with feelings of of suicide, with feelings of wanting to harm yourself, I would offer you a complimentary session with me. No pitching, no sales, literally just another person who's willing to be an ear for you and hold the space in a way that allows you to feel safe enough because reaching out for help is probably the biggest block to most people really moving through the feelings of depression and isolation and suicidality that they have is that they fear, again, that they're weak or that it means something negative about them because, gosh, I I should handle this on my own. I'm tough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've had this, you know, I've handled worse than this through my life. I should totally be okay. But if I'm not, please reach out to others. Rely on the friends and family, your medical team, right? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. even bringing it up to your your medical doctor, the only caveat that I would add to that is medical doctors are usually going to come from a place of medication, mm-hmm. 
right? So if they see that you have some depression or some intense anxiety that's causing you to feel suicidal, or even you kind of mention, like, I'm just, I just can't manage my day, doc. Their probably go-to thought process is to maybe let's look at some course of medication. And I would add that I absolutely believe there's a time and a place for medication. But the one thing I've consistently known through my 24 years as a therapist and a coach is that you cannot ever do medication without therapy when you're dealing with issues like this. Mm-hmm. Because you're still just spinning in the thought process. So if you go to your medical doctor and they want to just put you on meds, maybe take the prescription, but don't fill it yet. Mm -hmm. Ask your medical doctor if there is a recommendation that they have for a therapist in your area that they know of, that they like and trust or have heard about is a good therapist. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't happen, then I would check with your insurance company to see who is in your network. And 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 I know this is really tough for the person going through this to do, and this is where the family can help out. So if you're struggling, and I see that you're struggling, and I say, Paul, you know, I, I've noticed you're not really being yourself. I'm really worried about you. How can I help? And you're like, I, I just don't know what to do with all this. Well, Paul, would you let me help you by maybe checking into a couple of people in the area that you might be able to go talk to if you don't want to just talk with me, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Because there is an enormous way that we as family, friends, and neighbors can look out for one another when we start to see some of these warning signs. The biggest thing is you have to open your mouth and be willing to quote unquote take that risk that you'll upset the person by even having asked the question. I've unfortunately known too many clients throughout my career who didn't ask the question. And sadly, as heartbreaking as it was, I was now seeing them in session week after week because they had lost someone to suicide. Hmm. Susan DeCinzi, uh, I, I have to tell you, I, I so value our conversations. I, I always uh, feel this way after we talk that, that I learn a great deal. I also feel like I have a little bit more from grasp about how to approach particular subjects and now this issue of suicide. We're going to talk to you again next month on the issue of stress, but this has uh, been so helpful. I'm, I'm going to leave it here right now, but but I also want to give you a, a chance for, for just a, a, a final word. Anything we've we've left out, anything you want to leave with us on this subject? I would really just love to offer up that please, as you're listening, realize it is one million percent okay to always feel what you feel and think what you think. What is not healthy, though, is if those thoughts and feelings are giving rise to behaviors that are beginning to harm you, isolating you, causing you to start to feel like you want to end your life, causing you to withdraw from the things that you love. If you're struggling with those pieces, it's okay to feel that and it's okay to reach out for help. And for all of you who are family, friends, and neighbors, please know that and reach out to those that you love and care about that you're seeing differences in because really people just want to know that someone believes in them and loves them and cares. And that can make all the difference in the world. 
Susan Desenzi, I know people love to talk to you and, and, and I certainly enjoy talking to you as well. Thanks so much for all of this information. Difficult subject, complicated, but one that is worth listening to Su- Susan Desenzi about. Again, we'll put links up to where you can find out more information about this subject, the phone number that Susan offered, as well as uh, details about Susan Desenzi and her website. And uh, we'll also put up links up to where you can find out more information about the testimonials on Susan Desenzi's website. But Susan Desenzi, thank you so much for your time today. We'll look forward to connecting with you again this month. But in the meantime, please be well. Thank you so much, Paul. It was my honor to be here and my pleasure. Thank you. Take care. You too. For more information or resources about this episode, please visit notold-better.com. If you love our show, please be sure to leave a review. I personally read each one of them. Do you have a product or service you think our audience would love? Consider podcast advertising on the Not Old Better Show. You can find a link in our show notes where you can learn a lot more to work with the good folks at AdvertiseCast who help me promote the Not Old Better Show. And you will be supporting the show too. So if you want to advertise on our show, check out our show notes for the advertise.com website. Go there, find the Not Old Better Show, and you can get all the information about how to support us. But please, remember everyone, be safe, practice smart social distancing, and talk about better, the Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everyone.